loving like Jesus, all right? So uh, Cade talked a little bit about giving in Mexico, and we have a lot of needs. Mexico is one of the missions that um, I really have my heart into right now, and we need workers and teams. We've got a, a, a trip coming up in June, and so we need to start planning now and getting things ready. I know some of you have talked about possibly wanting to go, and some of you are maybe on the fence about it. Now, just start praying. See what God puts on your heart. If he, if he says, hey, you know what? Don't, tell, don't worry about nothing. I'm sending you. You're going to get down there, and you're going to learn to bless other people. Then you need to commit that to your heart, and, and let's talk about it. And we're going to start giving out details in 2019 early so that we can start making proper plans for it. But um, thank you, sir. I can do that. They can keep up. <clears throat> uh, but donations, you know, that's another way to give and uh, love like Jesus because they are in a very poor part of the country, and Mexico is impoverished for the most part anyways. And the only way that we get things, uh, material or money for the missions down there is through some sort of giving. Right now, um, Ben contacted me about some coats and jackets, this little ministry that they're doing down there right now. It's the same old routine. If you have any gently used coats or jackets that you can get rid of for any size, kids, adults, it doesn't matter. He's going to be up for about 15 minutes swinging through uh, to round these jackets up on his um, way to at the end of his Christmas break or, or whatever to get these things picked up to take back down there. He's got a very short window to do it. But he, um, he he's, you know, there's no obligation. He's just like, hey, if you don't mind, bring it up. See if anybody wants to do it. Bring them to me. I'll put them in a bag. I'll make sure he gets them. If I've got to take him to uh, Ripley's where he'll be at. Um, but he's bringing a trailer up to haul them off. Um, Cage talked also about you know the the rent that the Elliots have for their place. Um, I believe they're halfway there. Is that right? They're a little more than halfway. A little more than halfway. So I mean, they they still need a little help, but he's out. He's definitely out of the danger zone. He can take the first half of the year, but if you if you've been on a Mexico mission trip and you've been in his house, you see that their family that's their life. We get the privilege to go to a job, and we have our homes that we come home to, and we're not doing nine-to-five mission field work. We're doing nine-to-five working for the man or wiping snot off a kid's face or other things that don't directly affect Jesus and his ministry. But Ben and his family, they wake up in the morning. They start off with a daily devotional. They're gone. They're on the field. They're, they're knocking doors. They're handing out tracts. There's people that get saved almost daily down there. And, they, and to be able to bless them without the financial burden of this, because what they, they only live on like, what, $2,000 a month? Something about that. $2,000 U.S. For a family of five, that's not very much. And you're like, oh, they're in Mexico. Well, they, they spend money out of their own pocket on gas and other things in the ministry. So any help to them would be great. But... The most important are these last two items right here, guys. They need a new computer and a printer. Those kids are using a computer and a printer that's 15, 20 years old. Um, I think it still says IBM on it. And it might even be on an old DOS format. 
but uh, it's slow, it's outdated. Anybody that has any kind of computer devices, you know, three months later, it's out of date anyways, but they need some serious help with that because Ben uses that for communication to get the word out about his ministry. The kids use that for school. So it's not like it's uh, something that's just going to sit there and collect dust. It does get used. And then they also need a set of drums, just like the Philippines. We just provided for that. And Shaggy Bentz used to uh, attend here before he found his home church, and he actually graciously donated a five-piece drum set. So thank you very much, Shaggy. I've, I've been in talking with him about that, and this set is really great condition, but it's not complete. It needs some cymbals and stands, um, and I mean, we're, we're still going to send what we have anyways and worry about the rest later. I'm going to believe God's going to make a complete set for him. But my biggest struggle, guys, is I need, I need help getting it there to Del Rio. Um, these are not easy to ship. The USPS would charge an arm and a leg to do that. So I'm thinking about you, Dover. Uh, if you got any way to send a, a delivery to Del Rio, Texas, or pick something up down there, we need to talk, see if we can't get these drums shipped and help them out. Amen? All right, so... Enough of, of uh, the whole Mexico missions thing. I'm, I'm glad we did that up front because now we can really kind of get back to um, what, I, what I'm here for, and that's to bring God's Word this morning. And, and um, we'll go back to, yes, that slide right there. Thank you. And Kate's been talking about, well, he started two weeks ago uh, this message to learn, love like Jesus. And Chris preached last week. And like I said, I'm going to kind of touch on a few things and kind of give a refresher, but Think about love like Jesus. I mean, this is probably the hardest thing to learn, and it's even harder to practice. I mean, we, we're good to come to church on Sunday morning, and we learn, right? You listen, and you learn. But there's a third part of that in applying. It doesn't do any good if you don't go actually do. And that's the hardest part. I mean, Cade talked about that this morning. He confessed. He showed his ugly side, all right? But we're all the same way. We all know it's like it's really easy to sit there and listen to the pastor bring the thunder down, and then you're walking out and you're feeling good about life, and then God tests you. And how do you do with that when God tests you? So the next slide we're looking at here, I, I just want to remind you two Sundays ago that Cade preached about forgiveness and, you know, to forgive like Jesus. And we talked, he talked about a lot of things that, that Jesus did and, and, and examples of how he forgave. And, you know, I'll be the first one to admit it stung a little bit. That's, that's a hard reminder. Um, you know, and I, I asked, did you learn how to forgive your enemy two weeks ago? Because that was one of the things that Kate spoke on. And, or anybody that, 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 uh, that does harm or, or ill will towards you. And, and the hardest forgiveness prayer I've ever prayed, um, I'm going to show my, my vulnerability this morning, was uh, my ex. And I've always had bitter feelings towards her for many, many years and for selfish, childish reasons. Um, I'm not loving like Jesus, and I'm not learning how to forgive like Jesus. But I found, um, not, not just even two weeks ago, two weeks ago was a great reminder that I need to keep doing it. But uh, many years ago, I heard a similar message, and that's when I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to try really hard to do this. And if you've not done that, if you've not had cause to really pray for somebody that has seriously wronged you, 
it is the hardest thing to do because you can't get past that flesh. That flesh is just holding on to selfish pride. Like, I will not pray for this person. You're like Elijah. You're like pr- praying for God to rain coals of fire on your enemy's head. And if you can let that go, that is really one of the sweetest things that we can ever do. Um, move. There we go. Hit the wrong slide. And then last Sunday, uh, Chris preached about some servitude, uh, serving like Jesus. And this one's a little easier to do uh, for the flesh side of us because most people are willing to help. I mean, we do live in Oklahoma, and a lot of people nationwide are really quick to jump out there and say they were rude in Arkansas, but when I crossed the border into Oklahoma and I had a flat tire, 15 people stopped to ask me if I needed help. So it's easy to serve like Jesus because that's something that's doing. We don't have to get emotionally invested in it. But like Cade uh, and, and even Chris talked about, you know, with Gina and the hospitality team or anybody that does the cleaning in the church, uh, have you been in the bathroom and, you, you know, have you seen a mess and have you cleaned it up? But Chris also talked about washing of feet, you know, Jesus' example of, of what he did with the disciples. And so we, you, if you've seen this trend now, it's forgive and pray for your enemy, but then can you serve your enemy? Can you serve somebody that's done harm to you? Can you get down on your hands and knees and wash your enemy's feet? And then today, we're going to wrap it all up. We're going to talk about basically just everything it takes to love like Jesus. We're going to learn to break bread like Jesus and, and what it means to, to do uh, the whole bread breaking. Sorry, there we go. I guess I could just cue you guys in either way. Uh, but the slide after this one um, is where I'm at, and, and it... As a reminder, Jesus ultimately forgave us all by submitting to his Father's will, and he died on the cross. We know this. This is not front-page news, but he didn't want the cross. You remember, uh, we, we've all talked in that story. We've read that story. He was, in the, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he prayed many times, you know, Father, let this cup pass from me. But it's like what Chris said. He didn't pray that prayer specifically because he didn't want to do it. He prayed that because he, he knew what was coming. He knew that at some point he had to be separated from the Father because the Father can't be with sin. And if you think about that time that they've spent together from the beginning where there is no beginning, there's been no separation. Do you, have you loved somebody so much that when you have that separation from them that you can't physically be with them, touch them, or see them, that it hurts? And we all have. My first trip to Mexico was the hardest thing that I ever did because I went without my wife. And it hurt me so bad because, you know, <laughs> we've never been separated before. Not like that. I mean, I've been gone for a couple of days at a time to go to work, but never 10 days, 12 days at a time. <laughs> so in, the, in the, the next scripture that we got here is part of that to say that when Jesus realized that he didn't want this, he didn't want the cross, he didn't want to die on there, but he still loved us so much that he did. When it finally happened, when God had to turn his back on his own son, Jesus then cried out, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
And he did it again, Matthew 27, 50, and he, that's, this is when he couldn't take it no more. He had cried out so much, and last time he said, that's it, I'm done, I'm going home. Because that was all he could take. But that was enough. That was enough for us. He loved us that much that he carried it to the end. And this is the first time that Jesus had ever been separated again. So it hurt so much, right, that he just said, I can't handle this pain anymore. And, I want, and my question for you is, do you love like this? Do you love like Jesus loved at that point? And I want to say at times we do, and then there's times that we don't. I mean, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, amen? But this isn't the only example that Jesus had when he was given that example of how to love he also led by showing us how to serve. And this is where Chris's example came in last week with the washing of feet. And I love the example of this, uh, the, the feet washing practice. It is, it is common with uh, free will Baptists. Anybody that's ever been in a free will Baptist denomination long enough, you've been invited or you've participated in a foot washing ceremony. And, and I've done it. Um, and I don't remember if Shalina actually participated or not. Um, and I was know that I was reluctant to do so because, you know, there was a lot of elderly gentlemen in the church and I thought, I don't want to see their feet. And the pastor's son, he pulled me to the side and he said, Hey, this is your first you know, time. So let me give you some advice. Get to the front of the line. Because by the time that wash basin gets down, there's sock lint and everything else piled up in that water. And I'm like, how do you, is this how you advertise? Is this how you, like, hey, come, come let's go wash feet and share that. Um, but that wash basin was no different when Jesus did it because they had come in, their feet were dirty, and they were filthy. But I, I got to where we had done two or three, and I actually really started to enjoy it. And some of the sweetest moments in church that I've ever had, it was shared in that room with them men. And we get to singing out, you know, the old school hymns and uh, you, you see grown men start crying and acting like little babies and just getting really sentimental with it because the spirit just moved through that room, you know, because we were getting the picture and getting the idea of what it meant to serve like Jesus. And when you are three inches away from the most grotesque thing in the world and you're washing that it is most humbling, I promise. Maybe, maybe we should, after communion, have a foot washing ceremony next Sunday. And no, I'm teasing. Don't tell them. Don't, shh. So, more examples uh, of how, how to uh, love like Jesus. I think we're on the 14th slide. Now, I'm sorry, I'm just zooming through here. Um, but our first example is found in Mark chapter 12 and verse 30. Because... I want to show Scripture as well to back up. I'm not just up here talking my opinion. God's Word proves what I'm telling you this morning. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with and all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. This is not new to us. We've read this a billion times. We've heard this preached a thousand times. But if you're going to love like Jesus, you have to know the examples. Pardon? Part two. Part two is, is the one that I love the most because this is the one that makes it personal. Uh, Mark, same, same section, but Mark chapter 12, 31. And the second, like it, is this, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself, and there is no other grand, uh, commandment greater than these. So 
Show of hands. How many of you hate yourself? I, I mean, I, honestly, if God says you're going to love your neighbor like you love yourself, he says it's because he knows that you're going to take care of you. You're going to get up and make sure that you're looking good before you go outside of the house, and you're going to make sure that you're fed, and you're going to make sure you're clothed, you've got a house, you're warm, you're cold, however the season is. You're taking care of your business. So if, if God knows this about you, he's saying you need to exert that towards others and, and be the example to the world around you by loving your neighbor as you love yourself. There's a third part, and it's actually found in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 15, because now Jesus is saying, if you love me, keep my commandments. So he's given you the instructions of how, but then he's reminding you that if you don't apply it, if you don't do, then you're not really taking care of that first commandment or that second commandment, which are really empty unless you practice this third one. If you love Jesus, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so I ask, do you love Jesus? I mean, that's, that's a cold question this morning because it really hits me right here in the heart because I don't practice every day like I'm supposed to. I'm going to be raw with you guys and let you know that I am probably the big, biggest example of uh, what a church hypocrite is out there because I don't practice Christianity on a daily basis. And I, I am as exposed and real as anybody else that is out there in the world. And, and, and this is a work that's on me and in my progress. And I'm, I'm sitting here writing these slides out and I'm studying this, this message and God's hitting me with these lightning bolts and these little arrows and they, they, they sting and they hurt, but it's his, his quiet reminder to say, I still love you. Because he hasn't forsaken me, he hasn't left me, but he's constantly just reminding me, and that's what I love for him. But he, he wants us to remember, you know, those, these small ways. We're breaking bread, too, uh, that's, that's the other half of it. You know, the, the message itself should be titled, break bread like Jesus. And the time that he did this was at the, the Last Supper with his disciples. He was preparing them for what he was fixing to have to do uh, in culmination for dying on the cross. And he was given the example in communion, which you're going to, if you come next Sunday, you're going to get to take communion. Um, but the, the example of the breaking of the bread, that was him showing that, you know, hey, symbolically, my body is going to be broken. Um, and it was funny when you read the story how much the disciples were so confused about this because it's like, are we eating his flesh? You know, what is this crazy guy telling us to do right now? But um, Jesus gave the instruction, you know, do this in remembrance of me. And so next Sunday when you're breaking bread, you're taking communion, you know, we do this in remembrance. But when you say break bread, I mean, or what are you talking about here? And some of the meanings that I want to kind of touch on real quick before we get into this last part, because I promise I'm, I'm fixing to wrap this up, but breaking bread meanings, you know, we're sharing a meal with somebody. I mean, do you, do you honestly, uh, do you do this very often? Do you give to food pantries? Do you buy somebody's meal for them? Do you invite somebody into your home? a uh, friend or foe and, and cook dinner for them. Uh, I fried chicken for my daughter's boyfriend the other night. And, you know, he's not, it's the first time I ever met this kid, but uh, I bought him in the house and I, I made fried chicken for him. 
And it's easy for a dad to make that a foe because he's interested in my daughter. But I was nice. I extended the love of Jesus and I didn't hurt him while he was there. Amen. <laughs> no, no, he, he, still, he is still okay, right? Okay, so I gave him just enough where he didn't feel the effects. Um, <laughs> it's also to engage comfortable, friendly interaction. And originally the term was just literal, meaning that the loaf of bread would be broken to share, eat, and cause a casual meal among associates. But it later became to be more figurative. Uh, breaking bread referred to the same situation, but it's used as a colloquialism to describe any meal that did or did not involve bread. So, I mean, you can go eat meals and you can not have bread there, but you still, you'll break bread with you. Now, my wife's sitting back there going, he doesn't say colloquialism. That's not how Coonrod talks. All right. But it's a word or a phrase. It's, it's, a, it's formal or, li- or literary reference. Yes, I did some research on that because whenever I was looking it up and I thought, I can't say colloquialism and not know what it means. I can't be like <laughs> Pastor Mark and just throw words there in the wrong spots. I'm going to have to do my own research and get a little further. But, it, but now, today, to break bread, it's begin- I mean, it's, we've completely broken that saying. It's butchered now. Now the kids have have referred it to some type of making money. You know, hey, let's go make that bread or, or whatever. But yeah, yep, had, totally had a dad moment there. But, uh, you know, it's actually just remembering that Christ's body was broken as he died from the sins or died on the cross for our sins. Um, you know, how We've broke the bread, and, and, and you know, we've, we understand that process now. It's, it's, a, it's a moment of loving like Jesus. It's, it's getting out of your comfort zone, um, doing things that we don't do naturally. You know, Jesus did the unnatural on a regular basis, and he's asking us to do this unnatural, but how did Jesus love? We know he forgave all without uh, any kind of condition. We know that he had no issue serving and everything else, but when he truly loved, that's, that's when... That his example really makes it more full circle for us. Matthew uh, 5, 43 through 45 is one um, of the best examples here. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those that hate you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and sins reign on the just and on the unjust. I want to hate people. My flesh says, don't like this person. That is a hard struggle. And when you see bad things happen to people that have harmed you, it is really easy for you to get over here in the cheerleader section and, yes, thank you, God. You know, he had that coming to him. But you're not, you're not loving like Jesus when you act that way. You're not doing what he has commanded you to do, he is reminding you that, hey, I do the same thing to both sides, irregardless of their eternal salvation with me. He gives the unjust farmer, the one that is not a Christian, he still reigns on their crops. He still provides for them. He still gives them their needs that they need because he loves everybody unconditional. And he's telling you, do the same. Don't sit there and be the cheerleader for when bad things happen, because guess what? It's coming to you too, brother. 
I'm going to give you a trial or I'm going to give you a situation that's going to test you just like I test everybody else because this is all in His great plan. But the lovely thing is that Jesus, with us, with them, He doesn't say, well, I'll love you if, or if you do this, then I'll love you more. No, Jesus doesn't work like that. And I'm glad He doesn't because I don't do so well. So we're going to love like Jesus this morning, amen? Now I'm going to ask you, would you prepare a meal for your enemy? Would you? Would you provide for any in need? Or do you, are you one of those that draws the line or you give conditionally? Can you look at somebody that has wronged you and still loan something of yours to them because they need it? I'm going to let that sink in for a minute because I know I struggle with that one. I've got, a, I've got a neighbor, not Carrie. Carrie's the coolest neighbor ever, but I have a neighbor going the other direction. And I've had, I've had some, some rough run-ins with him, but they weren't, I mean, they weren't bad, but it was pretty upsetting. Um, it was more uh, involving my children were the way that his wife talked to him one day. And, and um, at the time, I really struggled with being a good neighbor. And I found myself quickly trying to move past that because the more I harbored those ill feelings, the more I avoided confrontation with this guy just to even try to pass the time of day. And now I find myself, you know, that when we come, when I come home, he's usually outside and he wave at me and we get to have a good brief conversation as I'm coming into the house. So I've had to give up that, that unconditional friendship love or, or give up the conditional friendship love and look past the that humans are humans we're going to do things that upset people but i, I want to ask you too like i mean i've exposed myself so i'm going to expose you guys you know is that is this example you um he made me mad so mm, i'm not going to do it or she talks about me so no i'm not helping and, or are you one of those that you just get your gut full and you say, that's it, I'm taking my toys and I'm going home? <laughs> Amen. I've done it. I like to take my toys and go home because if you're not good enough to be nice to me, I'm not sharing nothing with you, right? <laughs> Breaking bread, you know, with others, that, uh, that loving like Jesus, that, that's also giving, you know, and, and you have to give something. And I, and I ask, what do you give? Do you, do you give cheerfully when you give? Are you uh, one of those that, um, like in Cub Scouts, we teach the boys to give cheerful service? And uh, because not all of the things that we ask them to do are so pleasant. And it's not always the thing that they want to do. They like all the fun stuff. They like to play the games. They like to go tie knots and chase people up and down the street or, or make some craft. But when it comes time to get out in the cold and go gather up foods for a food pantry or um, going to the VA hospital to a, uh, a, a nursing home situation and sing Christmas carols when it smells like a litter box. Um, there's not really all that much fun, and the boys sometimes complain, but we teach them you do it with cheerful service and because uh, it, it's a, that's an inward change at that, at that point. Well, so what are some examples that we can do beside that? We can give our time, right? We can give with finances. We can give with food. We can give our service, like Chris was talking about last week. We can give with prayer. You can absolutely give with prayer all day long. But 
if you've ever read the book of James, man, that man right there, when he wrote that book, he, he talked about a lot of things, but the one that he did in there was uh, touching on giving and breaking bread and being helpful with others. And it stung because he, you know, going back to that prayer stuff, um, he, he gave a reminder, well, chapter 2, verse 14 through 26 is, is the whole part. And I'm not going to read all of that, but we're going to touch on some highlights. But it's, it's where he's speaking on faith without works. And he's saying that if you, you do one but not the other, then the whole action itself is dead. You know, that, well, verse 15, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warm and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the life of the body, then what does it profit? It, if you pray for somebody, that's great. But are you doing anything extra on that? Can, can you do anything extra? And I think that we all can. And I find myself a lot of times that I pray for these situations, and maybe I could throw a $20 bill in that situation, help somebody out, or put it into a ministry, or sow that need. But then I'm not. I'm just sitting there, and I, I do my, my uh, colloquial prayer, and, and I move on. And, and that's as far as I go. And I've got to get better on that. I've got, to, I've got to put action with that. I've got to put faith and the works together so that God can bless that. And I think we can all do a little better in that one. There we go. And James is just saying, you know, the way he sums all this up, you have to forgive those that hurt you. You have to serve some way, somehow, and you have to break bread. And breaking bread, you love and you give until it hurts. Uh, otherwise, it's, it's not doing you any good. It's not doing the person that you're helping any good. You've, you've just got to put yourself out there. You have to open up. You have to make yourself vulnerable. And that, I believe, is when you actually learn the whole love like Jesus part because you've, you've, gone, you've gone full circle. You've, you've forgave. You've served. But you're, now you're breaking bread. Now your fellowship, your, you're showing that love of Jesus, that full extension because it's that faith and works portion put together that really sums it all up. I'm, I'm still trying. I'm still working on it. And I pray and hope that you guys as well can do this because I believe that you know, as we're a church without walls, as we come out of this building and we go out into the community and we, we still make this the resource center for people to come in, but we continue that, that extension, that, that Jesus-like, love-like instinction of, of faith and works put together. And then once we do that and we're extending that outside these walls, we'll have multiple services in this building. We'll start having services outside in the lawn because we can't have a building big enough to house everything. We might just burn this whole place and go someplace else. You know, but it's not about that mega church. I mean, I've heard Kate say that numerous times. It's, it's about just getting the love of Jesus out of this place. And you have to take it with you. And so if, if we could get real with ourselves this morning and just say, you know, I'm going to join Coonrod and I'm going to do the slow, painful process of making a change. Uh, I'm going to stand with you guys if you'll stand with me on that one. Amen.